During this week's episode of Dynamite, JR was quoted as saying, Dazed and confused in Florida. That's not unusual. I see you, JR. As a Floridian, I feel you. This and more shade to be thrown coming up on the Misspots podcast. Time to play the game. All right, so wrestling's happening in Florida. I'm surprised that it has taken this long for an announcer to actually throw shade at the state of Florida. And I guess not not totally surprised that it's JR as the the crotchety old man that uh, he can sometimes be. You know, uh, this episode of Dynamite, and not to start out with that, but you almost always start out with Raw because we started with Dynamite last week, didn't we? Yeah, we we. I mean, listen, okay, call me out, Mike. We we do all, whatever the <laughs> fuck we want, but usually chronologically we start with Raw because it comes first in the week. But I did. I was really really happy with the commentary during uh, Dynamite this week. Jr. seemed motivated. Shivani, uh, Excalibur. It was good to have the team back there and everyone doing their thing. Not that I didn't like Jericho uh, doing his thing the last couple weeks, but the vibe in the arena and the the setup for Dynamite was so good this week. And I, I really felt like Jr. and them were motivated, and they they had they were really. When Dynamite started, we were impressed by the commentary and the way they told a story that seemed to be more concise and uh, explanatory, really, uh, than a typical WWE just pushing corporate catchphrases. And this episode of Dynamite did a really good job of that. And JR did a great job. And Shivani did a great job. And uh, it, it was fun. They, they did. They. they uh, they made they made me uh, interested in the product. They really sounded like they were having a good time being. I mean, it, it's been weeks since they've done this with each other, so like you could hear in their voices how much fun they were having. Like one spot in particular that I I think it was yeah it was the uh, Archer and Marshall match where Cutie did that uh, hand spring springboard in Siguri, and JR says, like a Noki. Uh, and uh, you could hear Excalibur laugh and go, I don't think Anoki ever did a handspring or springboard uh, while doing it, but sure. <laughs> uh, like, you, they just were having a great time, and they, they do work off of one another so well uh it's it's great to see this booth back together like you said shivani and jericho did more than admirable of a job filling in over the last number of weeks Uh, they they did a fantastic they have great chemistry together but yeah this is like getting the band back together and uh shivani and jericho held down the fort which was great and I want to hear Jericho and comment commentary more, but this was, this was uh this was fun. It was refreshing. Yeah. But, uh, you just want to continue with, uh, AEW, then go to yeah, Raw. Let's Cause, just, cause we're going to then talk run about down dynamite. the pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so, just talk about dynamite. Overall. I, I thought this was a good, good episode of dynamite again. They, there were, it had its issues. It had some real issues, but the the vibe and the feel of it felt like a professional wrestling show. The 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 wrestlers in the crowd, and I don't know if there were camera people or whatever, you know, 
the 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 ring crew that was sitting in one section. Yeah, there was there was kids with like a father in one section too. Like yeah, th- there was there was noise and there there was a feel of I don't want to say electricity because there was fifteen <laughs> people there, but it was more than what we've gotten in weeks and weeks, and yeah. it just made it for a better show. Uh, Sean Spears on the outside blowing the 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 horn the and. Air horn. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just it it had a it had a it wasn't as sterile as what we've seen either. AEW has done a better job of this in WWE, hands down. But it even felt better than what they've done in previous weeks. The live aspect worked. They did a really good job of furthering storylines and kind of picking up where they left off. Some of the things they did, listen, I can I can take it or leave it, but. Overall, this is a much more fun show to watch than anything I've seen from WWE and any of the previous uh, or the last couple of weeks of uh, AEW. It, you know what's kind of funny is WWE is looked at as this pinnacle of production. Like we, we've constantly given them credit for like video packages and just, you know, like their their stages and all of that always looks very good but the new kid on the block i feel like we we've complimented their video packages uh on many occasions and they've just taken this this uh, terrible situation run with it and created something out of nothing with uh just the presentation of their show being much more easy to watch and and different but relatable like having some people in the crowd is relatable enough but different enough that it keeps you intrigued uh, they were the first ones to put the the stage on the hard camera and WWE actually took that nod and and ran with that it, they have as the younger company I feel like outgame the veterans on, on production level for their shows. And certainly I think that it's important to, to note that because it can add to enjoyment of the show because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about how like, Oh, well, you're only down on WWE show because there's no crowd. That's a valid thing. And having a little bit of a crowd at AEW, I do think boosts, up the enjoyment of the show just a little bit it does and, and the video packages that aw has been producing for the last couple of weeks have been spot on and they've, they've done a great job with it and they've done it a little more simply a little more straightforward the let me with that said let me just ask you i'm sorry to uh, did you like the brandy Rhodes video segment you know let, let me well listen we'll, we'll jump all over the place man. yeah i don't uh, care i, I have no problem jumping uh so Brandy Rhodes has the gift of gab. Yeah. She is she is talented. She knows how to talk. She com- she's has a presence. She commands the the screen when she's on it. The problem I have with Brandy Rhodes is that I don't know why she's there. I don't know what she's doing. She's the chief brand officer and she comes to the ring too often. We saw the situation last week where she was way too involved and I I don't care about her handing a bottle of water to Cody. They've had her in the Nightmare Collective and all this stuff way too much. If they just find a role and they have her cut a promo on Jake Roberts, it was great. She's good. Yeah. I, I hate to draw these parallels, but... Stephanie McMahon is a incredible promo, commanding presence, and the chief brand officer, I believe, for the WWE. Uh, but it's been refreshing not to see her on television because she doesn't have a reason to be there. If they could find a role, a consistent role for Brandy other than Damsel in Distress, which she did a great job cutting that promo, talking about how she's not that, and put her in a position where they can utilize her talent, I'm all for it. But having her come out with QT McWhiskers, I'm not really all that geeked up about it. I'm not, I did not like any part of what she did the week, the week previous, but the talent's there, the ability's there, the command is there. They just got to find a path for her. 
and and accentuate those those strengths that she obviously has because she's great. She's really good. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and I love that promo. It, she just went through it with such confidence, uh, but. It's almost like they have her out there being like this manager of a faction. Like it's like a Heenan family type of deal. And she is just obligated to be out there. But there is no well-written story as to why she is the manager for all of them. We get, oh, okay. It's the Nightmare family. I think that's what they're they're called. Yeah. Uh, so... She's married to one. She's brother-in-law to another. Really good friends with with yet a third. Uh, then Arn is also like, the, he's the head coach of all of them. It's, well, it's, I, I think there's some confusion here just because we haven't been able to have Arn and Jake and people out there recently. So yeah. much of this comes down to, I think, the storytelling has really had to hit a pause because of the, the situation in the country. But So I don't want to give them too much you know, uh, grief shade yeah. for that. I mean, but I, I like, yes, she is overused and put in a position to be cannon fodder and just typical, uh, typical on the outside, which is just not necessary. She's, she has the ability to be more than that. And they tried to give her something with that nightmare collective thing. And it was just garbage. And they smartly just Brushed it under the rug. This is something that WWE might not do, might do. I, I don't even know anymore what they will do with a terrible angle because I've seen Bob Lash and Lana, and they could have brushed that under the rug quickly uh, when they've we've killed much better storylines immediately. But they tried to give her something to do. It did not work. It didn't make sense. Her husband's a baby face. She's a heel. They've got to find a, a, a groove for her, and I and I hope that they do that. Everything that happened this week with Jake Roberts and Lance Archer and the snake coming out and the nostalgia of it, but it was simple. It was straightforward. It didn't milk camera time for too long. I'm all for it. I thought that every bit of that really, really worked. I would have... The, the, the thing that I thought a lot about these matches this week is that Lance Archer and QT McWhiskers should not have gone as long as it did. Yeah. Uh, Cody and, jo- and Joey Janela should not have gone as long as it did. We had matches that really should have been squashes or more of squashes that were not. And that was, you know, maybe it's just taken up television time, but I would have rather seen a couple more matches that really even didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, than seeing those, but maybe they didn't have the, the, the staff to do it. But, you know, going in and kind of, you know, shifting to that with um, with the first match of the night with Cody, if Cody goes this long with Joey frickin' Janela, how can he compete with Lance, with Lance Archer? Because Joey Janela is a mid-carder at 100%. He's a small guy he's he's not a star he's not a a big time guy and i know he has indie street cred but i don't know who joey janela is really they've never really done a good job of pushing this guy in any real shape or form and he's going move for move for cody for 25 minutes i don't get that i did not like that really at all and the other big thing that i have to always point out they spent like five minutes on the outside with no bell and that's unforgivable it's unnecessary you cannot tell me that cody rose needs a crutch of five minutes of boring outside action to go through a match cody's better than that you know i i see your side of uh, that joey janela shouldn't be hanging with with cody but i also see the opposite side because i i AEW seems like they want their their full-time talent to be able to still be over and show that they're competitive against everyone for the most part. And they they hire in local people to be the enhancement talent. They don't tend to use their own guys except for the the I I feel like a rare occasion and it almost seems like 
matches that could be a squash, they like to go in the route of the old 1990s superstars main event. We know who's going to win the match, but they extend it a little bit. It's it's the longer of the matches with the guy who's obviously going to win win and the other guy will get some more extended offense in. I get they want to showcase it because they do look at Joey Janela probably as a great talent for them. Yes, he's only in the mid card right now, but they want their mid card to be strong and not just floundering and constantly a, a rotating door of who's who. So I get that. And the only way to do that is to make Janela look like he can hang with someone of Cody's stature. So I, I, I see it both ways. But what do you think about the fact that Lance Archer is a dominant beast that squashes tons of people? I mean, if, if you On that, Lance, uh, that it, case it, is it, different because Cutie Marshall is a part timer as far as I'm concerned. He's not a full time guy. But but don't don't use backstage lingo. I mean, let's talk about what we see on the screen. If Lance Archer were to go up against Joey Janela next week on Dynamite, you'd expect a five minute match max yeah you'd expect this guy to murder this person yes and that's what i don't like about it we've got lance archer going out there murdering people murdering signed talent really really quickly and cody's going 50 50 for an entire match with a guy who is not in his league he's just not in his league and maybe that's because i don't have any real connection to to joey janela but i just feel like there should be a hierarchy Cody is a main eventer. He's a he's 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 a level higher than Joey Janela uh, in anyone's mind. And seeing uh, Kenny Omega go 50-50 and with longer matches with enhancement talent, you know, a week or so ago, I'm not as interested in that. I, I'm fine with a squash. I thought the Nyla Rose stuff was great. I liked what they did with that. And I like the way they're they're pushing the storyline. The storyline with Cody is not going 50-50 with Joey Janela and going move for move. It's the fact that he's got Lance Archer in, in the crosshairs. Uh, Brandy's involved. Jake's involved. We've got all this intrigue. Go Dustin's out there and beat involved. this. Yeah, do, go out there and beat this guy. Go out there and beat this guy. Don't Don't squash him. Let Joey get his shit in. Uh, have him get some offense in, have him make some nice counters. It's all going to work out the same. What this did is it tried to make Joey up on a higher level. They could have done that with 25% loss offense and 25% less time. It would have accomplished the same thing. This brought Cody down and brought Joey to the exact same level he would have been if they would have given him less time. My personal opinion, I I get what you're saying, I just I, I I like effective squashes. I like I like when there is a, a a caliber of star that's just better than another caliber of star, and they're just not there yet. And you've got Jim Ross, and you've got Shivani, and you've got Excalibur. They'll tell that story. Mm-hmm. They'll tell the story that Joey Janela is just not ready for this yet. He he's not up to that caliber, but he'll get there. And I don't know if he will. I'm not a big fan of the guy, but maybe he will. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, so, uh, we covered, uh, that, am, am I missing anything bef- besides the main event? Well, I mean, listen, the, I could watch MJF read the phone book. <laughs> that guy is so fucking good. He had a, a promo on the side of the ring. He had a pre-tape. That guy is, I, I wish MJF was six two. Because if MJF was six two, he'd be he he'd be the heir apparent to the best wrestler in the world. Because the guy can talk. He's not the best worker, but he doesn't need, need to be the best worker in the world. He's so freaking good. Uh, I love that. I do want to 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 uh, point out again that I'm 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 excited to see Nala Rose back on a regular basis. I know we've had to have a pause with storylines and stuff because of, uh, the, the coronavirus, uh, coronavirus crisis, but I'm excited for Nyla Rose 
dominating in the women's division and, and all in the storyline of there's a bunch of people uh, vying for that spot. I think that's really, really good. I also really enjoyed what we didn't talk about. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of stuff here. One, uh, Sean Spears uh, going after Cody again in a interview, in a, in a pre-tape. We've seen this play out in, well, I didn't see it because it played out before Dynamite started. And we've seen this, excuse me, in some episodes of Dynamite, but we haven't really seen these two really feud on television. And it's always kind of been underlying there, but it seems like they're teasing that. I think that's another really, really good tease there. Uh, I think they did a really good job with the Dark Order stuff in Moxley. Oh yeah, uh, the the Moxley Kazarian match, and then the 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 aftermath of that. So we got Brody Lee challenging him to a match, and stealing the title. Yeah, uh, the, the stealing the title shtick we've seen that before, but it doesn't mean that that we can't see it again. Uh, I thought the Kazarian and Mox match was really good when they didn't go out to the outside and spend 17 minutes there. I don't understand it. Someone needs to explain why that's good. But the mat wrestling was top-notch. I enjoyed it. Was uh, the it, match. Was it Shivani who mentioned that? He's like, I just love mat wrestling. Yeah, Yeah. that was a good example of what you said earlier, is that these guys were just having fun and they were talking about wrestling, and I I did enjoy that. And I I think it was last episode or two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Moxley can freaking wrestle. Yeah. You know, he he knows what he's doing in there. And I thought that was really well done, and it led to a bigger angle. It gave the Dark Order something to do. They've done nothing for weeks because maybe they didn't, they couldn't have enough people or in in ridiculous mass that were nondescript enough to actually push together a storyline. This makes a lot of sense that the Dark Order are trying to do something. And I don't know, I don't understand Brody Lee. This is a guy who on a pre-tape interview is, is cringeworthy. Everything they have done on a pre-tape, I have despised to the point of not wanting to see another one and just painfully getting through it. His in-ring promo with Moxley was the best thing I've ever seen him do. I was going to say the same thing. He did a great job. So stop doing pre-tapes for this dude and just let him cut in-ring stuff or live stuff because apparently that's his wheelhouse uh, I, I read a, a, a review or a, you know, a, a breakdown of something recently where they said, you know, Brody Lee's done a, such an amazing job on his promos that the WWE must be, you know, jealous. I'm like, what are you watching? I, I, what, I found. Was I found, this the what culture grades of yes. uh, people from uh, WWE? Yep. Yes, it was. Yes, I saw, yeah. I saw that too. They gave like, an incomplete, but they praised those pre-tapes. I'm like. What have you you been watching? They're the worst segments of the whole show. Yeah. Uh, The Dark Order has never been worse, and they are pretty bad. But this was focus for this faction. He's got minions to destroy the champion. He's a big freaking guy who can go in the ring, and apparently he can talk on a microphone when he's live. Okay. Hey, uh, what's that guy that we used to say, Paul Heyman and ECW, you know, accentuate the strengths, hide the weaknesses. Well, we got a weakness for Brody Lee. Don't put him on camera and give him multiple takes. Let's this, push this guy. This was also a fairly straightforward heel promo that he, like he just, he followed the, 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 the typical way of doing it. And uh, I just was, I was like, this is what they should have been doing from the the start. Um, I I also do have to point out that you, you mentioned that they couldn't get enough nondescript people to be minions while one of the people who did not have a shirt on had very uh, specific chest tattoos, which makes him very not descript or or not (laughs) 
nondescript. Do you who, uh, do you, do you know who it is? No, I I don't. Oh, okay. Uh, but I was just saying, like you said, they couldn't find enough nondescript people. I'm like, guy with chest tattoos is the complete opposite of nondescript. Yeah, but it's, this this is not an angle that I've been excited about for a long time. The 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 vignettes where they had the guy doing the cult stuff, I thought were actually pretty well done. But I mean, yeah, the, the commercials. Yeah, they, they they were well done, but I mean, we haven't seen like the core of the Dark Order now in months. Oh yeah, we haven't seen Evil Uno or Stu Grayson yeah. in a long time. Uh, so so that's kind of been a problem. But uh, listen, they're opening up to they a certain degree. What's that? They are Canadian. So oh, are they? They're, yeah, they're probably not they're probably be on stuck. TV for a while, yeah. little while. But you know, we're in, we're you know we're in unprecedented times and. But they're they're opening up this angle again and, and maybe starting to get some things going and, and trying to pick some momentum up. And what they did with this was well done, period. It was it yeah. was well done uh, across the board for a faction that I don't care about that they just gave me a little bit more of a reason to care about. Uh, the, the one thing I did not mention, I have to bring it up because this is a great thing about commentary, when... Brandy was laying in the middle of the ring with a snake on top of her. Jim's like, where is, where is anybody at to help? Actually, they said it too with the Dark Order thing. Where is anyone at to help uh, Moxley? No one's going to come down and help out. Where's Cody when Brandy's in the middle of the ring? Well, Shivani's like, they got to drive golf carts from the locker room area to actually get to this the, the ring side. Yeah. Yeah. They sold why there was no one helping out. This is a simple thing that yeah. goes so far in just driving the believability of a professional wrestling program. And I, I and then like, the golf cart came came up later. <laughs> and then we got to the main event. And uh, Mike, tell me what you thought about the main event because AEW is your breakdown. Uh, it it was pretty ridiculous. I mean, uh, yes, a street fight pins count anywhere match tend to be ridiculous in their own way. But Matt Hardy had two wardrobe changes th <laughs> during this match. He does costume he changes like being, Superman. Yeah. He was broken. Then he was a Hardy boy and then turned into Damascus. It it wasn't good. I, I did not enjoy this. I I really don't like Matt Hardy being thrown into a ice bin and then coming out as a different persona. That's not for me. It's just not for me. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to hear about it. That's not my thing. Uh, I I did not. There there was some. There was some okay brawling in this. I mean, we have talented people obviously involved in this angle. But this was a forgettable, and uh, this was a nondescript main event. I, I would rather seen the Kazarian and Moxley thing end with the Dark Order and be that main event. That was much more interesting to me, and could have been a better cliffhanger to end the episode on. For the most part, they're they're picking up where they left off with the the blood and guts match. Eventually, they're gonna they're gonna run that. And I and I respect him for it. Uh, this is a very weird connection, but I've uh, for over the last week or so, I've had my my bathroom redone in my house, and watching uh, Guevara and uh, Kenny Omega wearing jeans and knee pads, I felt like they with knee pads over their jeans. I was like, oh, are they are they doing a tile company uh, together <laughs> on the side? And that's just what you know. That's 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 their their normal you know work get up, as they're as they're grouting their tile. Wrestling's uh, going back to that old uh, profession era where everyone has a profession. They're a plumber yeah, they're, or a trash. They're tile man. men. Yeah, they're they're tile men. Uh, but yeah, I, I this this just wasn't for me. I I thought this was way overbooked, way overdone, and it. it I watched all the way through because I like AEW for the most part, but I, I wouldn't have been missing anything if I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, 
I can say that I did do that for Raw this week because uh, I did not watch the main event of that. I was just like, I know what's, I well, know what's point, going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Well, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. But yeah, I, I, I made it through all of AEW mainly because we then record immediately after AEW. So that's a good point. It's like that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to sleep for ten minutes. This just tells me that I don't really care about Matt Hardy. He's not someone that I don't get it. I don't I don't want to see broken Matt Hardy in this way. I don't want to see teleporting. And I don't want to see random costume changes. It's not charming. It's not fun. It's not professional wrestling to me. So it's always something I'm going to, I'm going to check out with. And since you just mentioned WWE, we should just roll right into Raw. And then something roll I'm, right out of Raw. Let's roll. And we're done. <laughs> and good night, everyone. Uh, MVP can go away. I think this is my my annual. No, no, this is my weekly situation where I tell MVP, "Go away. We don't need you anymore." Uh, until an interview show, any interview show, Ms. TV, the whatever, whatever. I, I don't even know any of the. I mean, the MVP or the the VIP lounge or whatever it is. Until one of those shows can have the charm of Piper's Pit. Stop doing them. Yeah, and so and, and, that's never going to happen. So, but stop doing. But them. not. But I, I'm not even saying. And I know that there's a nostalgia aspect to that, and I'm not trying to get into that. What I'm saying is that that show happened in the mid '80s. We've progressed a long time since then. We've got better production values, better everything. But that show felt like, as they produced it, it was something different. It was off. It wasn't in the ring. It was something unique it was a it was it was character driven it wasn't storyline driven but it incorporated storylines right yeah and the wwe has lost that completely this is just this is just exposition it has nothing to do with the people doing this show it's just expositional bullshit garbage television and someone needs to go back to the to the uh the drawing board and say let's put a guy who knows how to freaking talk out there and actually run a good talk show and those segments actually might be really fucking good this was not well this this is some weird remnant from the era of wwe where practically everyone had a fucking talk show yeah you like jericho had one the, which, oddly enough, I can't remember what the name of his show highlight was. Reel? Was it the highlight that, reel? Uh, yes, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you had the cutting edge with, with Edge. You had the peep show with Christian. You had Ms. TV. You had the uh, MVP lounge. Like, this all was going on at the same era, and they feel like it's a nostalgia thing. Again, even though MVP is not that type of nostalgia act. Like, a lot of people don't remember him, don't care about his little talk show, and they care even less when it's being done in front of no one. Do it backstage. You opened up Raw with a talk show in ring and no one out there to watch it besides Byron, Joe, and and Phillips. Like... These things, you went off on this last week. These things are dumb to be doing in the ring. Yes, 100%. And, and this was a, uh, so here's, here's, here's the part of the podcast where I insult Nia Jax. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a part where I tell MVP to go away, the part where I don't like the Street Profits, and the, and the part where I don't like Nia Jax. Uh, Shayna Baszler and Asuka, are incredible performers that have tons to give to the business that I believe may be able to disembowel uh, Becky Lynch, right? Becky's very good. I like Becky, but these are people that could take her apart piece by piece. I believe they're believable badasses that could dominate in the ring. Nia Jax is big. 
uninteresting, and a poor performer in pretty much every sense of the word. And the fact that this segment, I, I know that Nia was the one that ended up on our back foot and retreating, but this segment was there to push Nia and the entire commentary talking about her. She's the dominant one and blah, 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 blah. This is a person who could barely win a tag team match with Tamina <laughs> weeks ago. And they're pushing her as this unstoppable force when Asuka was undefeated for over a year and Shayna Baszler was the longest reigning combined NXT women's champion and should be just frothing at the mouth and destroying everyone in her path. And they're pretending, and that's the best word to use it, pretending that Nia is in their league. She is not. She is... She is a lower mid-carder compared to Asuka and Shayna Baszler. And the fact that they're pushing it in any way different than that is embarrassing for the product. And until they can find a way to put Nia over or find, a way, find something she does well, because they haven't found it yet, it's going to be terrible. And speaking of pretending, pretending that either one of them needs the other one to beat the shit out of Nia. Because either one of them should be able to do it by themselves. Uh, 100%. And, and that the fact that they needed to, like, punk Naya, uh, like, trick her uh, in order to take her out combined is, is silly. Uh, and this is revisionist WWE because we, we've talked plenty about how they have just completely ignored Asuka's past, especially even just in NXT of how much of a badass she was. But now they've, they've kind of done the same with Shayna and like, Oh, they keep on saying she's a cage fighter. She's a cage fighter. Well then show us her being a badass again, because we, we had it for a little bit. And then last week you had her get punked by Nia. Which don't, shouldn't happen. Don't tell us. Show us. The WWE loves to tell us stuff. They want to repeat about climbing the corporate ladder. They're all about catchphrases and telling us things that in no way are represented on the screen. So show us. Don't tell us. And that is one of the worst sins the WWE creates every single week when they go out there and put this product together. Uh, one of the things, and I'm going to go out on a little tangent here, Mike. I hope you're okay, okay. with it. Okay. but. One has the WWE ever considered doing a money in the bank ladder match with like three participants instead of six? If you look at the field on the women's side, especially, how many of these people are actually potential world champions? Nia Jax is not, Dana Brooke is not, right? If you ran an angle where Shayna and uh, and Asuka formed an alliance and just took out every single other member of this group of people for the ladder match to increase their odds. And we had a three-person ladder match. Throw Nia in there because she's a good person to lose. And you had those three participate in a ladder match. The angle would be great. It would be hot. It would be a better match because half the participants wouldn't have to pretend they're sleeping on the outside for 15 minutes at a time. A two or three person match is infinitely better than a six person match by a long shot. Always this insistence on having this particular kind of match that goes down exactly at the same time. And then we do this and we have this many people. And then we do is, is one of the biggest problems with the company. It's so regimented. It's so typical and they never run any angles on this, and they could. They absolutely could do something like it. You've got, I would buy Becky versus Asuka again. I would buy, for sure, Shayna versus Becky again. I'm not buying half the other people in this fucking match. So don't put them out there. Stop pretending they can, they can win this. So that's my little rant. Well, WWE obviously sees six as better than three uh, because the number is bigger. They also see it as we're giving these people an opportunity 
like we've talked about this many times before and how WWE logic uh, dictates that by simply being out there, you're getting a chance. Like we're pushing them. See, they're out there being, being a part of things. How can you say we don't push talent? Uh, that's that's their logic. While and, you're and it, while you're right, cutting down this field in half and creating storylines around it other than just briefcase with contract. That's the story to them. Briefcase contract. People fight. Want that? Why briefcase contract? Not any actual personal animosity between people. Just briefcase contract. It's the simplest. It's 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 ugh fire. <laughs> like it's it's the simplest, lowest common denominator bullshit. Well, um, it's it's oh, it's it's oh, it's October, so Hell in the Cell is coming up, so we have to blow off a feud in a cell. Yeah. I, I I if you were to be able to look at these things objectively and go, what makes sense this year? What makes sense right now? Who are the people that actually make sense in a match that could challenge for a championship? Well, there's four. Well, let's let's find a way to make it four. Let's set it up for six. This is what we do at WWE. We set up six people for this, but let's let's shift it. Let's make let's be dynamic. Let's get let's let's get uh, creative when it comes to it. Uh, and this this transitions perfectly into Akira Tozawa and Titus O'Neil. They both get involved in a gauntlet match for the freaking money in the bank contract. A guy who, and Tozawa, who's a very talented professional wrestler, no doubt, but has been a, also ran in the cruiserweight division, and a dude who's more famous for sliding under the ring than pinning somebody, <laughs> both get a chance in this, no, no, go fuck yourself. No, they, neither one of these guys belongs in this in any way, shape, or form. Stop that. Stop that. Uh... And the job and squad, how convenient. Yeah. <laughs> the job squad, highly involved in this uh, Money in the Bank qualifying match. And by the way, a gauntlet match. If MVP as a character needs to go away, the gauntlet match needs to go away. They're never entertaining. They're never well done. They're never well paced. And they never make sense. Gauntlet matches are garbage pure and utter garbage and they don't make they don't work they don't make sense they don't make good television there's never a set amount of people involved in them it's always a surprise as to how many people are in it when they're coming in and that's why they can do dumb shit like aj showing up or the last one was aj losing to undertaker in a gauntlet match in fucking saudi arabia uh like because you don't know who, how many people are in the, the, the match. And you can say, oh, well, that gives the element of surprise and keeps you on the edge of your seat. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I don't need that to be entertained. Because none of them actually lead to anything. No. None of them, none of them actually really matter. And they involve people who do not in any way deserve title, title shots. And... Yeah, AJ coming back and cutting that promo about, oh, yeah, I got buried, so what? Okay, cool. I, I guess AJ played a good heel there, and good for him, but that was still a, an atrocious thing to watch at WrestleMania, and all it did re- was remind me about how much I really hated that show. So thank <laughs> you for reminding me that that happened. And that your partners, Anderson and Gallows, are no longer with the company. And that was the last thing, their their lasting legacy was being in one of the worst, quote-unquote, wrestling matches in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, also, AJ alluded to, and this was, uh, I think Phillips mentioned it at some point too, or maybe it was Ray during his promo, which I'm going to get back to in just a minute, uh, that Someone's going to get thrown off the building because they've said it multiple times. Like someone could fall off the building. 
if AJ Styles gets thrown off the building, he will have been buried alive and thrown off a building. Well, listen, I I know I'm supposed to suspend disbelief watching wrestling, but he'll probably be back the next night. WCW did it, and the Giant yeah. won the title the same night he was thrown off a building. Yes, he, he did. That <laughs> and is true. That is that is that has gone down as one of the stupidest things that's ever happened in the business. Yeah. Will the WWE do it? Of course they will. Why would they not do it? They're idiots. Now, and, okay, go ahead. I I want to touch on. I've I've wanted to bring this up the whole uh, time talking about Raw. Ray cut a promo. And in the promo, he mentioned the men and the women going for the money in the bank briefcases at the same time. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Both matches are going to go on at the same time? Yes. Oh, my God. Cinematic garbage. Uh, the the worst kind of uh, awful television that I guarantee after it's over, there's going to be a ton of people going, man, this is how every single match should be. You know what? Let's just put every match on Raw on at the same time, and then we can just kind of watch it. It'll be, it'll be really, really fun. I am so... I have no desire to watch Money in the Bank. They've done nothing to sell me on this entire pay-per-view. And uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match, which is something that even though they always put six or eight people in it and it's always very predictable. And last year they had Brock win it, which was not predictable, but was somehow even worse than if it would have been predictable. <laughs> uh, I, I have, once again, less interest than ever in watching any of this. And what we saw with the rundown of the rest of Raw just really solidified that. I mean... Alexander and Ricochet, these guys, they're talking about them as being like a a force in the company. And these guys are extremely athletic and they're going to win matches and maybe they're going to get some momentum. Nope. They lose to some dudes because that's what the the audience is going to think. Because MVP believes in them. In (laughs) some dudes. Because yeah. I guarantee you, if 1.7 million people tuned into Raw, the next day, if they could pick out one of the names of the some dudes that won that match, I'll give you, I don't know, my income for this year. That's just, no one ca- no one knows who these people are. They've done nothing to build them up. They've done nothing to tell us who they are. They've done nothing to say why MVP gives a shit. They've just had them go 50-50 with some dudes how is that good what kind of planning what kind of idiotic back of the envelope nonsense leads to this who who wins in this who actually gets over answer nobody because it's a tag team division alexander and ricochet are a tag team that have been together a month and a half who are two extremely talented dudes who have been used very poorly. So they decide to put them together. They lost, I think, their second match to the Vikings or to some someone. They sure, of course they, they won, then yeah. they lost it, like, and then they're building them up a little bit, only to have them like have them lose to other no. Like, I hate to say this, but. Alexander and Ricochet are really nobodies when it comes to the tag team division right now. They're still yeah. young. Like when you like, even if we want to look at this in the old school way, they have no business being around the tag team title picture, as a heel announcer would say. They're they're too young, and then to be knocked down a peg again by rookies, guys from NXT who no one who have been beaten in two other matches including one by this team like it's i i I don't understand it like i i don't claim to know everything about the wrestling business and the, the the psychology that goes into it but i know a lot of like 
typical booking scheming and and, and, and storyline creation. And this just doesn't seem to fit along with any of that. This just seems to do it for the sake of doing it. It's 50-50. It's like, hey, we got these guys over by having this new tag team win for a few weeks. Now let's get these other guys over by having them beat those guys, even though no one is over to be able to help the other ones get over. No one wins. No. No one wins. That that could actually be, instead of climb the corporate ladder, WWE, Money in the Bank, no one wins. That And actually, just WWE, no one wins. That's bigger, badder, forever, whatever their freaking catchphrase <laughs> is. Make it that. And uh, by the way, uh, Viking Raiders, uh, at one point, they said they were going to extinguish the smoke. You extinguish fire, which produces smoke. <laughs> you really don't extinguish smoke. I know it's pedantic. I know it's very, very nitpicky, but you've got quote unquote TV writers. Someone should understand how fire and smoke work. Also, someone said during this episode, and I can't remember who, they said that the smoke is the tag team championships. And I was like, I have some meaning. I have some understanding, a definition. They want the tag team. Oh, they already have them. (laughs) So So their entire catchphrase is, well, maybe maybe their thing is we got the smoke, but they don't even say that. Uh, Yeah, words are hard, guys. Words are hard and language is difficult. Uh, We saw that in Liv and Charlotte's promo work. They did their best with I, I this is how I think this meeting went down between uh, whoever wrote this segment and Charlotte and Liv. Let's do our best to make sure that everyone turns a channel immediately. So let's write a promo that makes no one interested and everyone cringe. Okay, and they went out and did that. I don't remember this from the show. Exactly. Was it late in the show? It was late in the show. It was right before the main then event. It, oh, then that's yeah. that's why. Because I I went I decided to go to bed, but I thought I was just missing out on the main event. But that's another thing you that mi- I missed out. You missed nothing. Didn't really miss out. Did you see Alexander Black returning to his smoky room? Yes, I did. Uh, high school level production reigns, my friend. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a step in the wrong direction for him. And then the main event. I didn't watch it. I fast forwarded through it because I, as you said, I knew exactly what was going to happen and I didn't care. Yeah. No cares. Yep. Okay. That was raw. That was raw. So money in the bank. Uh, I'm, I'm going to refresh the page right now. No, there are still only six matches. Uh, I guess five. If you say that both ladder matches are going on at the same time. Sure. Uh, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> so there's a fatal four way tag team match for the SmackDown tag team championships. Uh, I didn't know until a few days ago that new day are the tag team champions of SmackDown. Uh, so they're defending against Miz and Morrison Lucha house party and the forgotten sons forgot about them. The forgotten sons. Uh, yeah, they're on SmackDown. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Lucha I, House Party is still a thing? Yes. Wow. I, I don't even know what to do with that. I'm going to go with New Day. I'm going to go with New Day, too. Okay. Because them or Miz and Morrison are the only options here. Sure. Uh, the match that you uh, alluded to last week as actually being a thing... Bailey and Tamina. Like, oh God! Uh, if they put the title on Tamina, they should just close the company. So I'm going. I don't Bailey. put asses in seats. I'm well, go- there's no asses in seats anyway. <laughs> I'm but, going. I'm going Bailey. Yeah. Uh Braun and Bray. We're getting all the SmackDown shit out of the way. Apparently, good. Uh and actually, there are more SmackDown-specific matches than there are Raw. Um, Braun and Bray 
I guess it's only being advertised as Braun versus Bray Wyatt. The, the graphics show Bray Wyatt, not The Fiend. Is there some kind of stupid stipulation or match type? Is it a funhouse nope. match? or Just singles. According to the Wikipedia, singles match for Universal Championship. All right, who do you got? I'm going to go with Bray. Yeah, me too. I mean, the only reason Braun Strowman has that championship is because they just they thought that Goldberg was a good idea, and they were going to try to put the title on Roman, I assume, and yeah. then the whole world ended. So, I mean, they have to do a reset on Bray, right? But the the, the only thing that uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Bray as my choice. The only thing that I think that could go against that is that it is Bray and not the Fiend, and that they will have Braun beat Bray and then the Fiend becomes like comes out as uh, now I now you have to f- beat me you beat okay, my ta- vessel you've I'm talked using me in- Matt, ter- Matt you've, Hardy terminology you've talked me into it I'm going with Braun <laughs> okay I've changed my mind and now we're different at least one match all right uh Drew and Seth Drew Drew yeah you can't have him lose his first pay-per-view title defense you know the funny thing is is that they have done some decent stuff with seth recently and seth is a good person to be uh, a caretaker for this first feud i just haven't given a shit about it it's not a bad choice i it's just not interesting yeah uh i i agree with that i think that he has done dog uh he has He's done, done a, a, a good a good job with some of this stuff but yeah it, this this is supposed to be drew's drew's time and and hopefully it'll be a, an entertaining match these are two good workers yeah uh we then have the money in the bank matches themselves that apparently are going to be going on at the same time um Oscar Shane, Anaya, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Carmella for the women. Then AJ Styles, Otis, Corbin, Alistair Black, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan for the men's side. Let's go with the women first. And I remembered most of those names. Uh, I, man, I really do not want to pick fucking Nia Jax even though I feel like they're going to go with fucking Nia Jax. Uh, they also, for some reason, love Asuka screaming in Japanese. So that's a thing, apparently. And Shayna Baszler's the best person to win this. Uh, I'm going to go with Logic, and I'm going to go with Shayna. I want to pick Shayna, but I don't think that they're going to go with her. Uh, I refuse to go with Nia, so I'm going to go with Asuka and okay. them just having her screaming Japanese while holding a briefcase because okay. they love that prop. Yeah, that's something that they really enjoy for some reason. And then say who the men were again. AJ Styles, Otis, Corbin, Alistair Black, Rey Mysterio, and Daniel Bryan. That's a tough one. Who do you got? Uh, you know, uh, you asked me two weeks ago, I was going to say Alistair Black, um, even though I hate the thought of him carrying around a briefcase because they would make him absolutely carry around a briefcase. But AJ Styles being brought back in and being thrown into this match really throws a curve into this for me. Because he is probably the best case for for them as a whole. I don't think that they're ever going to pull the trigger on Brian holding the title again. Uh, although we did say that when he first came back and they gave him a nice little run with the title. Yeah. Uh, especially a nice heel run uh, with the title. Um, but... AJ or Alistair... I'm I'm going to go with Alistair uh, 
even though I, I don't want to see a dude like him carrying around a briefcase, but and they'll he, probably give him some fucking gimmick looking briefcase with horns and scales like his boots. But is but, he is he going to go up against Drew? No, I think that this could be face, a man. I think that this could be a long a long holding uh, mm. of it until there's a heel uh, that he can vanquish. I mean, you know what? Corbin's a long shot here. They love this guy for some reason, and he's in that mix. Ray's definitely, and he's not already gonna... held this briefcase before and lost his uh, match. That's that's true. I- I'm gonna go with AJ. It's it's not a bad choice. Yeah, to go with. So that's that's money in the bank. Fuck it. Okay. Well, uh, are you gonna watch live? Yeah, I got nothing better to do. <laughs> I may or may not. I'll I'll see how it goes. If you want to, and you want to uh, uh, Skype in to together and, yeah. and make fun of it, we can. That that's the only way I'll enjoy it. So uh, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about that later on in the week. Yeah. So yeah, that's our our breakdown and our predictions for Money in the Bank. And uh, as you can tell by our demeanor, not really looking forward to it, but who knows? Um. All right. Anything else that you want to add before we sign off here? No, sir. Me either. Well, thanks, everyone, once again for joining us. Check out our social media at Miss Spots on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Miss Spots. And as always, you can check out this podcast in one of many different wonderful fashions, such as our website, MissBotsPodcast.com or simply MissBots.com, as well as being available on any of the major podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are found, we are there. For Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll catch you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.